Killer Conspiracies, a Utah true crime podcast with Kobe and Brian. I killed her. Now that time I tied him up. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. I was saving body parts such as uh, skulls. As well as cannibalizing and raping their headless bodies. Okay. Welcome back to the show. It's just me today. Brian's doing some shit. But he'll probably record an episode tomorrow. But today I'll be talking about another execution by the state of Utah. Because I decided to go down the list of them. So don't be a dick and look them up. Just let me tell you the stories in my fun way. The guy I'm talking about today is a wormy looking guy. Shiny headed having twink. Ronnie Lee Gardner, who was born in Salt Lake City, the youngest of seven kids who were birthed by shit parents, Dan and Ruth. He was born January 16th, 1961. And when Ronnie was a toddler, his father, who was a heavy drinker, left the family and then started another family. So after the parents got divorced, when Ronnie was about 18 months old, He was found malnourished and wandering around in the streets in a diaper. Child welfare took him into custody, but they would eventually take him back to his mom. You know, because why not? Ronnie and his father did not get along. Dan did not think he was Ronnie's biological father and would tell him that a lot. Later, Ronnie would say that he was raised by an older sister and was sexually abused by her and her friend when he was around five years old. I got that from Deseret News, so if it's not true, don't come after me. Sometimes, him and one of his sisters would run away and hide out at a hobo camp. He said, quote, I didn't like to be confined. I would stay out for two to three days, sometimes for weeks, because I never felt that I fit in so it was easy for me to go live on the streets, unquote. His sister wouldn't stay that long as she was afraid of the type of people around there, which makes sense. While he was on the streets, he used drugs, committed crimes like burglary, robbery, assault, and prostitution. By the age of 10, he was addicted to drugs and drank alcohol. Him and one of his brothers was arrested for stealing cowboy boots and taken into juvie. His father came and took his brother out of juvie, but left Ronnie there, because he's a prick. Ronnie's mother married a man named Bill Lucas, who had been in jail in Wyoming in 1968. I tried to look up why he was arrested, and I couldn't find out why, but I'm guessing for robberies, and you'll see why in a minute. Anyways... After the marriage, there would be nine kids in total. Ronnie said he admired Bill, even though his mom would wear Bill's belt around her neck as a visual warning to the kids, which is fucking weird. It's like those kids these days that like to wear fucking chokers all the time and pretend they're cats and dogs. Just stop. Even though he was physically beat, By his parents, he did not cry or conform. He was a stubborn bastard growing up. 
without structure discipline and only went as far as fourth grade. Bill used his stepkids, mostly his stepsons, as lookouts for him while he burgled homes. As a young teen, he'd already been in a series of detention institutes and involuntary commitment at Utah State Hospital in Provo. Ronnie was small, and he had to fight a lot, saying, quote, I was a nasty little bugger, unquote. He was about 11 when he was sent here, and for about a year and a half, he was there. Later saying to a parole board, I've been locked up basically since I was two years old. After he was released, he was yet again returned to his mother's home and started getting in trouble again. He would be incarcerated to the state industrial school on and off for a few years as his crime and drug addiction got worse. While at this school, a man who was friends with one of Ronnie's brothers started visiting him. Ronnie and his brother would live with this man while Ronnie was on the run every now and then. When he was 14, Jack, the man who would visit him and would become his foster parent against the wishes of a social worker who said he dressed as a woman during a home visit. And of course, this guy's a fucking creep. He raped both the brothers. Ronnie later said, I thought life like that was normal. He explained this relationship in a 1999 interview. Also said at the time, I was still dumb enough not to realize it was a bad thing. He would soon leave this place and around the age of 16 he met Deborah and had a daughter with her. He would go from the street to state industrial school until 1979. He would have another child, a son born in 1980. Being a shit father like his own, he didn't stop his crim activities. That same year, he would be convicted of robbery and went to prison. Being in prison made his anger intensify, and he disliked being locked up. Locked up. Who wouldn't like to be locked up? But whatever. He and another inmate escaped not even a year into his sentence from a maximum security unit on April 19, 1981. While he was out, he went after a guy he thought had raped Deborah, his kid's mom. He stabbed the man at his home, then got into a shootout with John Mitchell. I don't know who the fuck that is. That's all I found. Whatever. Ronnie was shot in the neck and was arrested trying to hide in a truck not too long after the shooting. He was only 20 years old at the time. Seven months later, in December 1981... He ran away from a visiting room where the Board of Pardons were there to hear his plea for commutation. He scaled one set of razor-topped fences before he was shot with a shotgun and taken back into custody. He didn't die from this. This guy is just, he can't die, apparently. His violent temper was way off from his pleasant demeanor, just like me. I'm a nice-looking motherfucker, but I'm angry. I'm just kidding, I'm not. Anyway, some said he could turn on the charm when he wanted to. Then, in 1984, 
When they tried to move him from his cell, he attacked the guards with a screwdriver. And he was also involved in a prison riot in 1984, which, in which he headbutted an officer right in the fucking face. On August 6, 1984, he escaped from University Hospital, assaulting a transportation officer and taking his gun. I really think I've done this episode before, but I couldn't find it on any of the episodes. So I don't know if I deleted it or if it's someone I fucked up on episode eight or nine. Either way, we're going through the whole thing. So deal with it. You'll be okay. As the dazed officer tried to oblige the frantic prisoner's demands to unlock the shackles, Ronnie leaned down and made sure he worked as fast as possible to free him. Gardner said, I guess you know if that doctor comes back, I'll have to kill you both. The officer later testified. In the parking lot, he ran into a medical student. Ronnie pointed the gun at his back and ordered him to give him a ride, saying, I don't want to kill you, but I have nothing to lose. The the guy that the medical student would later say, I don't want to give out their names. He took the student's clothes and motorcycle and was on the run for nearly three months. On October 9th, Ronnie walked into the Cheers Tavern in Salt Lake City, where Melvin, who was 37, was working a second job. Ronnie told the pardons board he was there to collect money from a friend, for a friend. When he and Melvin got into an argument, after he closed the bar, the two got in a fight. It was then Ronnie said that he decided to rob the bar. And while doing this, Melvin struggled and, quote, the gun went off in his face. But the medical examiner and police said there was no evidence of a struggle. Instead, they believed Melvin was shot while laying on his back with the gun pressed against his nose. He gained less than $100 said Melvin's cousin. There were no signs of a struggle. He just placed the gun against Melvin's face and blew his head the fuck off. He didn't say that. I added the fuck part. Ronnie wasn't arrested in this murder until November. Family members told Deseret News that Ronnie even attended the funeral, pretending to be a childhood friend. While awaiting trial, he was sent back to the Utah State Prison. It was there in his maximum security cell, he planned to escape the courthouse. On April 2nd, 1985, he was walking into the 3rd District Court of Salt Lake City about 8.40 in the morning when a woman either pressed a gun into his hands or he retrieved a gun that she had taped to a drinking fountain. That just depends on where you read because I couldn't find Either way, immediately an officer yelled, run, he's got a gun. So instead of just fucking shooting the guy, this cop was a bitch and just said, run, run away. Pussy. Probably had a septum piercing. While one officer ran out of the building, another opened fire on Ronnie, hitting him in the shoulder. Oh, there we go. Apparently one of them's a man enough to do it. He ducked into a records room. Or he reportedly said, they hit me, they got me, I've been hit bad. Ronnie pointed the gun at attorney Bob, who stood next to his friend and colleague. Later, he would testify he thought it was an April Fool's joke. 
as Ronnie pointed the gun at him and then his associate that was standing next to him. As they ducked and run out, Ronnie shot one of the men in the eye, killing him. As I went out the door, the gun went off. The attorney later testified, I, f- I left screaming, please help murder. I lost control at that point, I think. While Ronnie continued to insist that some of the details to this day were hazy, he did have to pull back the hammer on the revolver to shoot the man. He fired twice at the lawyer who was in the basement doing pro bono work for his church. Of course he was. Ronnie then ran out of the room into, into the Salt Lake County Sheriff's bailiff, Nick Kirk. Kirk had heard about the shooting and ran down five flights of stairs to, quote, protect his judge. When Ronnie saw him, he shot him in the stomach, sending him to the floor. He then went to the stairwell where the officer just exited from. He then ascended the, to the second floor of the courthouse. He aimed the gun at a man filling a candy machine and asked for a ride. As they went through the hallways to the doors, the man jumped out of an open window, leaving Ronnie bloodied and alone with one bullet remaining in his gun. He then surrendered to police on the lawn of the courthouse and yelling that he was unarmed. When questioned by the Board of Pardons about whether he felt threatened, Ronnie admitted that none of his victims posed a threat to his safety, saying, I didn't have to kill anybody. No one done anything to deserve what happened. The jury deliberated for less than three hours and found him guilty after a three-week trial. It took the same jury 51 and a half hours to decide he should die for killing the one man and wounding the officer. Ronnie chose the firing squad as his method of execution. With his death sentence hanging over him, his violence continued in prison while out of his cell with other inmates in 1994. He stabbed Richard Fats Thomas. Fats is his nickname. I'm not being rude. I wonder if he was just a really skinny guy. Because they always do that. They're always like, oh, it's tiny. And it's this big fucking fat bastard, you know. He made a threat to me, Ronnie said. I did something he thought was disrespectful. He thought they would fight to settle the matter because it's what you do in prison. In a hearing, the death row inmate said not only did his actions change, but so was his thinking. Wait, did I not write down what he fucking... I could have sworn I fucking wrote down what happened to this guy. I thought I did. I must delete. Anyway, he stabbed the dude over nine times in the face, neck, chest, and he, but he lived. Okay, I don't know why I didn't. Here's another quote. I didn't want to change, he said, choking back emotion. I fought it for a long time, but I finally accepted it. That's the good thing about change. You really have to look at the damage that was done. He sounds like a fucking Disney princess. You killed a man, take the actions like a man. Anyway, Ronnie was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder in June of 1985. He pleaded guilty to the murder of Melvin and was given life without parole. He would be sentenced to death. Just like last week's episode, he chose the firing squad. 
And since 1976, two people have been executed that way in Utah. And I've written the next episode. I might just read the next episode after this one. Actually, I haven't finished it yet. So never mind. It'll just be this story. You'll be okay. Anyway. But unlike the last episode, like Albert from the last episode, he chose this as to not attract attention attract attention and wanted to die this way saying in 1985 i'd prefer to die of old age your honor but if that ain't possible i'll take the firing squad while he was on death row he was the youngest man he caused a lot of goofy shit this one's kind of funny michaela listen to this story michaela michaela wife she's watching tiktoks anyway October 1987, he broke a glass partition in a visiting era, area to fuck a woman who was meeting him. Other inmates cheered and barricaded the doors. He said it was an accident that the glass broke. Maybe he was so horny that his boner just broke the glass. Anyway, in 1993, a Utah state representative made the Ronnie Lee Gardner bill, which was that law enforcement were able to shoot inmates attempting to escape if they weren't armed. In September 20, September 25th, 1994, Ronnie made alcohol in prison sink and got fucking wasted. And here's the story I wrote in the wrong area. He, he got fucking wasted and stabbed that inmate, inmate with a shivy minute out of sunglasses. And he would be charged with a crime for this, but since he didn't die, they dropped it. In February 1996, he threatened to sue to force the Utah to ex force the state of Utah to execute him by firing squad. After appeals and motions, finally on June 15, 2010, Ronnie ate his last meal, which was steak, lobster, apple pie, vanilla ice cream, and Seven Up. And then watched the worst movies ever, The Lord of the Rings. He got to watch all of them. I would if 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 I was on death row. And the last movies I would want to watch, it would not be that gay shit. Or Star Wars. Get that shit out of here. I would probably just watch the last Dexter season. Anyway, he was visited by a Mormon bishop and family before his death. He was asked if he had any last words. And for his last words, he said, I do not. That wasn't his last words. He was just saying he didn't have any. Anyway, he was executed by firing squad at 12.15 a.m. at the Utah State Prison in Draper. He was placed in restraints on a black metal chair with a hood on his head. Sandbags ran around him to catch any ricochets. With five officers and 30 caliper Winchester rifles, they, fi they fired at him. He was pronounced dead at 12.17 a.m. He was the first prison prisoner to be executed by firing squad since John Albert 14 years earlier. And so while this was going on, his friends and family gathered outside the prison at, at, for a candlelight vigil while playing Freebird by Leonard Skinner. They did not witness his execution per his request. Some wore shirts with his prisoner number 14873. His body was cremated and released to his daughter to be taken back to Idaho with family members. Ultimately, his children and grandchildren got their chance to express their love for him. I don't know why. And his brother, 
Randy became an outspoken opponent of the death penalty, often wearing Ronnie's prison jumpsuit to anti-death anti penalty demonstrations. He was 49 when he was executed, and the last execution in Utah so far. Because me and Brian talked about that there might be executing a guy in 2024. Maybe we'll get to go watch. I would love to watch. Because I'm fucked in the head. But I think that's going to be it for this here mini episode. I think. Or maybe we'll go to Reddit. And we'll read some crazy stories. And of course I'm not fucking logged in. Hold on. Give me a fucking second. Oh, you know what pisses me off about Reddit? There's a true crime podcast, um, like, recommendation thing. And I tried to comment because people wanted, like, a recommendation. And I was like, listen to mine. And they deleted my fucking comment saying, you don't have enough Reddit karma. I don't know what the fuck Reddit karma is. Like, what? And they keep deleting my shit, and it's, it pisses me off so bad. Anyway, so if you have a Reddit, then go there, because I made a page, like a little community for this podcast. And anyway, let's see if we can find something I can talk about right now. So just give me a second while my dog whines by the door because he needs to be let out. Give me a second, Juno. You know what? Never mind. I'm just gonna end it here. I can't find any. I'm not. I don't want to look around. I'm not in the mood. I want to go ride my snowmobile in the snow before they take it all the way off my lane, because I'm loving it. I take my dog out and I gotta make some food. So that's it for today. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Killer Conspiracies. I'm Kobe, that's Brian. Please rate five stars. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, at KillerConPod. There's a Facebook group and page, Killer Conspiracies with Kobe and Brian. And if you have any requests or anything, email us at KillerConPod at gmail.com. Please share with all your friends. Thank you. We will see you next week.